following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Please turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 16. We're continuing. Coming to the tail end, but this week we're continuing our Curious series. Uh, And what is that? That is a series where we have you guys submit questions. What's burning on your hearts? What questions do you have about the intersection of the Bible, faith, culture, life? And uh, so we take those questions in, and then this series answers them, okay? So today's question is this. When is it biblical to have boundaries with people? When is it biblical to have boundaries with people? So the first thing I want to do is throw out a couple questions to help us frame this before we get knee-deep into it. The first question I would ask, and we're going to answer this from the text, but I want you to be thinking about it. The first one is, is Jesus loving? Do you believe that Jesus is loving? That one should be pretty easy. I'd say most of the kids in kids' discipleship could answer that pretty easily, right? We do, as Christians, believe Jesus is loving. The second may be more difficult for you to answer, uh, depending on where you land, where you landed immediately when I let that question leave my mouth, right? Because everyone landed somewhere. The second question is, did Jesus have boundaries with people? So is Jesus loving? And did Jesus have boundaries with people? So what I want to do is read Luke 5, 12 through 16 together, see if we can get some clear answers to these questions. Um... And and we'll move on from there, okay? So I'm in Luke 5. If you don't have a Bible with you or an app, we will have the verses on the screens. If you don't own a Bible, please give us the privilege of giving you one. We would really appreciate that, okay? Uh, Luke 5, 12 through 16. Here we go. While he was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make the offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded, as a testimony to them. But the news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Praise God for his word. So the first question I asked you is is this. I think we see a pretty clear answer in verses 12 through 14. Is Jesus loving? I would say this encounter with this leprous man gives us one example uh, to show us that absolutely he is. Uh, And I think it also shows us that those of us who follow Jesus probably shouldn't be, we shouldn't be quick to set boundaries where maybe others would or for the same reasons, okay? It's it's very intentional here that Luke records the detail that not only did Jesus heal this man, let me ask you this, did Jesus need to touch the man to heal him? No, he didn't. Of course he didn't. There was other times recorded in scripture where he wasn't even in the same spot. Somebody said, hey, I, I got a sick servant. Can you help him? Jesus, you know, 
head that way, it'll be done for you, right? So we know Jesus doesn't have to touch somebody. There's no magic in the touch, right? This man had leprosy. What does that mean? That means in his time, he was an outcast. Everyone was afraid of him. No one would have wanted to come near him. Not only would they not touch him, they wouldn't want to be near him. The priests were actually charged in that time with monitoring those with leprosy to make sure it was so contagious to make sure that people who had it weren't uh, milling about in crowds or just in town too much or whatever. They were separated, ostracized. These were people that nobody would have touched and everybody would have had strong boundaries with. And Jesus intentionally in this act of compassion and mercy and love not only says, yes, I'll heal you, but he touches him as he does it. Jesus knew exactly what this man needed and it wasn't just healing of his physical leprosy. There was a lot of heart wounds there. Amen? Jesus is loving. Everybody else would have agreed this guy was unsafe. Everyone else would have felt justified with having a, a boundary with him, not touching him. But Jesus went farther than most would. He approached it differently than most would. Okay, I think that's instructive for us. Um, and can I also just submit to those of you today who maybe are, are struggling with the question of, of God's goodness because of your own pain or the pain of others, I would just ask you to please, as you're contemplating those things, consider what we see here in the way Jesus deals with this leprous man. It, it belongs in the discussion around whether or not God's goodness is something you can rest in, okay? And I know difficult situations in our own lives and in those around us, it can, it can cause those kind of questions to come up. But um, Hopefully we're at least, at least the word of God is, is a part of that internal discussion as you're processing those things, okay? Uh, so as I said earlier, you probably have a default answer to the question that we're posing today. When I threw it out there, there's probably for you kind of a default yes or no, but followers of Jesus, we must look beyond our own experiences or what is trending in culture and let the word of God inform our discussion around everything, but particularly today, around holy and healthy versus selfish and sinful boundaries with people. The word of God needs to be where we turn to figure this out because there's, if I, can, if I can humbly submit this to you, try not to be offended yet, you'll have more opportunities as we move along, I promise. Uh, there's a decent chance at first glance that many of us have an overly simplistic answer around this idea, okay? And so our hope today is to take a humble and circumspect look at this complex issue. The, the, the first part that we just talked about um, Jesus touching the leper and uh, the love that that shows, maybe the, <clears throat> the willingness to, to go farther or, or closer than, than maybe some would, that part would be a challenge to those of you who have a tendency to throw up walls with people fast and easy because there are some like that, right? And some of you know that that's you. So that first part, what I've said thus far, that's, that's already maybe challenging where you would have landed default in this discussion. Because <clears throat> when I said, does Jesus have boundaries, you, you may have been like, heck yeah, he does, and everybody should, and I like him. You know, you're like an earthbender in that Avatar show. At least five of you knew what that was. That's good. Just, uh, 
It's really scary with those like off the top examples that happen that aren't in the notes. Like, well, see how this lands. Sometimes it's like a lead balloon, but anyways, Lord help us. So you, you're, I've already started to challenge you and there's more coming, but the next part's going to challenge those of you who struggle with the idea of boundaries with people ever being healthy, helpful, or loving. Because there's also those of you, and, and you may or may not know who you are. Okay, so let's look at verses 15 through 16. So we see Jesus going the extra mile, lovingly, compassionately, tenderly touching this leper as he heals him. But what else do we see in these few short verses, verses 15 and 16? But the news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. Okay, so we got large, large crowds showing up. They want to hear Jesus, and they want a healing too. What does Jesus do? Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Hmm. That looks very much like a boundary. I think we've answered the question of whether Jesus was loving. And of course, only looking at one example, there's, there's dozens, if not hundreds more examples. If we were just solely trying to build a case for whether or not Jesus is loving, I would, I would call your attention to the cross as, as the primary example that he is loving. But the question today is, as a part of answering our question, when, when is it biblical to have boundaries with people? is did Jesus have boundaries with people? Because if I'm trying to figure out if something is biblical, if something is godly, and I'm straining for an example, where do I go to figure that out? Jesus is always a really good option. Amen? Amen, okay. Did Jesus have boundaries with people? Yes, I think we see that clearly here. In case it isn't obvious yet, here's what I'm saying. Big crowds show up, they have expectations, they have desires of what Jesus is gonna do. Sometimes, yes, Jesus did heal, he did teach, but sometimes... Jesus dipped. Sometimes Jesus would slip away, go to the wilderness, and pray. Well, doesn't that mean there'd be disappointed people? Yup. <laughs> there was. But does that, make, does that mean Jesus was unloving? No. Some of you, that very basic principle right there has to work in. Some of you, that's a struggle. Amen. I already told you I'm going to offend all of you today lots of times. Just buckle up, Okay. Here we go. It's going to be fun. You ought to be used to it by now. Amen. <clears throat> the question today is not just if having boundaries with people is biblical, though. Okay? The person asking the question, and I think there's, there's a lot of wisdom in the way they ask this, they're asking for help. They're asking for a scriptural compass, if you will, to determine when it is biblical or when it may be sinful to establish these kinds of boundaries, okay? It's, it's, it really isn't enough for us just to talk about the idea of whether or not it's ever okay. We need, we need more help than that, most of us, to know when, how, what, how does that practically work out, okay? So that's what we're going to work on. And how are we going to do it? We're, we're going to look at the life of our Savior for help in, in charting a course here, okay? So the first point I'm going to give you uh, if you're taking notes, is that Jesus accepted his limitations. Jesus accepted his limitations. What, so what are we doing? We're looking for, okay, clearly Jesus did have boundaries. We see an example here, but we're, now we're going to go deeper. We're going to try to determine how it was he set those, when it was he set those, why? When is it proper and improper, okay? So uh, Jesus accepted his limitations. What would I... Where am I getting that? Well, we already saw one, 
A bunch of people had demands, expectations, desires of him, but he knew that he needed to, at times, escape to the wilderness to pray. I would call your attention to events like uh, they're crossing the Sea of Galilee and he's in the boat napping, right? Uh, Everybody's screaming and freaking out because here comes the storm. Jesus is sawing logs in the front of the boat, right? So, (laughs) um, but, but the... I mean, the very idea that, that, that the incarnate Son of God is taking a nap, right? Like, it's okay. Now, some of you need to take less naps, okay, because you're lazy, and, and you should, you know, quit all that. Uh, you, don't, you, know, you don't need four naps a day, but some of you literally would feel convicted if you laid down and rested in the middle of the day. That's out of balance, too, okay? In particular, if, if you're actively engaging in a self-sacrificial mission of pouring your life out to be a blessing to others, you might need a nap sometimes. Now, if, if you're somebody that lives in a standard mode of operation that you're kind of looking out for number one, that being you and you're selfish and you just kind of do what you want, well, you, I don't know why you're tired. <laughs> oh, got him. Uh, now, let me deal with this. I know some of you right off the rip, may not have liked the fact that I'm saying Jesus had limitations. You might have heard me say, in in understanding when making boundaries is biblical, I'm saying Jesus accepted his limitations. As soon as I said that, you might have been like, well, hold hold on, man. I don't know about that. What do you mean? Jesus is God. He he has no limitations. Well, let me work on that a second. What I mean when I say that is that before being born in a manger in Bethlehem, Jesus was not encumbered by the limitations of humanity, okay? But in an incredible act of humble love and service, he took on those limitations in order to live, teach, serve, and ultimately die among us in our place for our sins. That's what I mean when I say that. Before being born in a manger in Bethlehem, Jesus was never hungry or thirsty or tired, or tempted. But he made himself vulnerable in all these ways to serve and to save us. That's what I mean when I talk about Jesus accepting his limitations. So as we see in in the examples we've given above and in many others, Jesus acknowledged those human limitations and he had boundaries in place as a result. Uh, the, The truth is, Okay, this is real. Had he never ate, never slept, never took time to commune with the Father alone to regain that spiritual strength that that provides, he would have been rendered incapable of continuing in serving or being a blessing to anybody. There would have come a point when that would have happened. And friends, what I want you to see is you are only human. And if God himself as a result of his incarnation, and let me just take a minute on that word. I don't want to assume everybody knows what it means. When I say incarnation, very simply, that's a theological word to describe the fact that Jesus took on flesh. Okay? It's a solid biblical doctrine that no faithful Christians argue about. All right? The fact that he, he as a result of his incarnation, he had these, these limitations. Um, And because of that, he had boundaries that acknowledged those limitations. 
So if that's the case, if Jesus had boundaries acknowledging his limitations, don't you think you will need to have them too? That's the question. Yes, okay? Now please believe me when I say I understand that this is harder than ever, okay? When Jesus slipped away to the wilderness to pray, he he didn't have a cell phone going off, constantly uh, creating the expectation that he, he should always be available whenever someone felt that they had need for his attention, okay? I realize in the time and place we live, there's, there's even additional challenges when it comes to trying to operate within healthy boundaries. But, but here's, here's a principle that we need to realize is pretty much indisputably true. If we try to be everything to everybody at all times, we will end up unable to be anything for anybody at some time. Do you hear that? If I was one of these guys that, you know, tells you when to tweet, that, that was it right there. Okay? That's a, that's a good summary statement of what we're trying to talk about here. Don't tweet right now. Don't do that. Okay? That's weird. <laughs> now... <clears throat> Now, everybody here who leans more towards setting boundaries too quickly, you're, you're really enjoying this point so far about Jesus accepting his limitations, right? <laughs> you're happy. But let's, let's also consider this important detail. Jesus only had these physical limitations that he's acknowledging because he had already allowed himself to be greatly inconvenienced for the good of others. And what do I mean by that? The simple fact that he took on humanity was an incredible inconvenience. Right? Okay, so, when, so if so far you've been like, yeah, boundaries. Remember, we're calling this out and this is true, but on the other side, when, when we're talking about when and how and what's proper, remember, Jesus acknowledging these limitations came after <laughs> allowing himself and, and saying he was greatly inconvenienced is underselling it. When he took on flesh to live a human experience in order to teach us and to save us, okay? So make sure that's mixed into the pancake batter, okay? So from this one point that we're dealing with right now about Jesus accepting his limitations, we can draw helpful instruction about the need for boundaries, but also the reminder that boundaries should not be established just because we feel annoyed or uncomfortable around certain people. Amen. There is a lot of chatter in the kind of pop psychology, self-help corners of Christian culture that, I, in my view, are not careful enough to balance this out. They would be quick to call your attention to all the self-care I'm just using that term because that's what it would be often coined under. They would call your attention to all the self-care Jesus did without also pointing out all of his self-sacrifice. And the bulk of what we see Jesus doing in the four Gospels is pouring himself out for the good of others, not being particularly hyper-focused on making sure he never felt stressed or stretched in serving and loving the people around him. Amen. So there's a balance to be struck here, okay? And there's, there's not a set of hard and fast rules to be employed in, in walking this balance properly. 
What do we have, though? Well, God has promised to help us by the power of his spirit. He's promised to give us wisdom when we ask for it. And he has given us the gift of, of leaders and other believers to help us discern the particulars in each of our lives and in the different seasons of life that we find ourselves in. I hope that's good news to you. You're not left to just flounder on your own. We have the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We have the word of God, right? We've got, we can pray and ask for wisdom. He said, well, he'll always answer that prayer. God, I believe God enjoys when we come to him and say, Father, I realized I know less than I thought I did again. <laughs> help me, <laughs> right? That's a good prayer. He won't turn that one away, okay? The closest thing we have to a, a compass needle that will always point us true north is the supreme law of love. It is not always super obvious or clear what the best path is to move forward, but love should always be the direction that we're heading. No amount of inconvenience, frustration, or even pain caused by other people justifies us abandoning the law of love when setting boundaries. Amen. Now, I'm continuing that thought, but I'm pausing here to, to say this on purpose. I'm going to ask you to please listen very carefully to what I'm about to say, okay? I realize this is possible in all sermons, maybe more so in this one. If you've, if you've kind of meandered off into some parallel thought trail, I'm asking you right now to bring it back so that you can hear what I'm about to say. It's very important, okay? In allowing himself to be murdered by the Romans, by the instigation of religious leaders, Jesus was setting a boundary that only those who would acknowledge their sinfulness and trust in him would receive eternal life. That's a boundary. But even... As this eternal boundary line was drawn, he had compassion upon the perpetrators and his desire was for them to end up on the right side of that boundary. How do we know that? We know that because Jesus used one of his last breaths to pull up on the cross and pray to the Father, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Okay? Super important. If you don't understand what I just said, then I'm, I'm seriously asking you, I want you to go back to this later and prayerfully consider it until you do. Ask for help from, from leaders or other believers or you can reach out to me. Don't be prideful or be worried about looking unintelligent. This point right here that I just made, it's too important to ignore. It's too important not to consider as we build out our understanding of when boundaries are biblical. Okay? Amen. The second point I'm going to give you. Jesus set boundaries to protect others. Jesus set boundaries to protect others. Let me read you uh, some fairly well-known verses here. Jesus is <laughs> addressing the Pharisees. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut the kingdom of heaven in front of people, for you do not enter it yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. That sounds like a boundary to me. What do you think? (laughs) Some of you are like, well, I'm not so sure about the Jesus loving question from earlier. Now I don't know what to do. Well, (laughs) Well, this is loving, okay? Uh, Now, remember, again, those of you leaning towards too many boundaries or those of you lean towards setting them up too quickly, right? You guys heard that and you're like, yeah, get them, Jesus. Tell those sons of hell what's up, right? You're like, "Mm." and you're thinking, there's some people after service, there's some sons of hell I'm going to say something to after service. I'm, I'm inspired. Slow down, Sparky. Let us remember, friends, that Jesus had perfect discernment and was not dealing with the blind spots and impure motives that every single one of us is, okay? So make sure to temper your boldness with lots of humility, all right? The early church father, Augustine, one time was asked, uh, give, give us the list of the three top Christian virtues. You know what he said? Humility, humility, and humility. I don't know if I 100% agree with that, but the point is taken, all right? It's real important. I mean, Augustine is fairly formative uh, for the way we read and see the Bible today. Monster, hero, theologian. So, you know, I tend to listen when, when I hear something he said. So anyways, and even if you don't like Augustine, the Bible says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So there you go. There's a verse in case you don't like Augustine. Uh, <clears throat> And and let me also say this, (laughs) in case some of you thought you're you're like, oh, okay, well, I see Jesus setting that boundary there, and he's given given the woes to the Pharisees. You might think, well, I don't don't do that. Let me say this. It's no better if your boundary setting does not come in the form of in-your-face confrontation, okay? Stonewalling and passive-aggressive silent treatments, those qualify as well. Okay, so just because the way you set boundaries might be different than Jesus may be less clear, doesn't mean it's less problematic if done for the wrong reasons. Okay? Woo! Warm in here. So, who is, Jesus is setting boundaries out of care for others. Who? Well, in each of those woes to the Pharisees, we see, first of all, he talks about those who are entering the kingdom. Those who are trying to, to come in and be a part of the kingdom of God. He's saying the Pharisees are getting in their way and that's going to be a problem. Then he says, you devour widows' houses, right? So they're, you know, keep putting pressure on widows and the poor to to keep giving into the the treasury to pump up their lifestyle. And Jesus says, that's going to be a serious problem. You're you're taking advantage of them and I'm going to draw a boundary around that. And And then he talks about proselytes, those that you guys are going out and teaching to be religious, false religion perpetrators just like you. He uses the word sons of hell. Okay, so in case, boy, Jesus was clear, wasn't he? Amen. So let me, let me give you a practical example of this because most of you won't encounter any Pharisees to say woes to in the next week, all right? Uh, <clears throat> let's say you see somebody being bullied or treated poorly at work. What I'm proposing to you is, as followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to speak up and to set a boundary for those who may not be able to do it for themselves. Jesus did that out of love, and I think we should be ready to do that too. 
another example, I've, I've had to do this during our homeless outreaches on a few occasions. Uh, not often, but a few times we've had somebody either intoxicated or just plain disrespectful uh, make inappropriate comments to some of the women serving with us. And I think sometimes maybe they thought that because we're Christians and we're there to serve, uh, that meant we wouldn't say anything about it. But I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to say something about it. And we're going to set a clear boundary. Okay? And normally that's enough. But there's been a time or two, myself or, or some other brothers, we've had to step right up in the middle of the thing and let them know if they want to talk crazy to somebody, we're the one to do it with, not her. Point blank period. And where we go from here is up to you. Do you, know, do you not know if it was okay to say amen to that? You can, and you should. That's a boundary that should be set. Amen. <clears throat> if they're going to talk crazy to someone, it can be to us, because it sure isn't going to be the sisters we have out there with us. That's not going to happen. Uh, another example. There, there needs to be robust and thoughtful boundaries around children. Okay? In recent years, I've, I've tried to change even the way I show kids love and affection. Instead of asking them if I can have a hug, I try to ask them if they would like a hug from me. And even if it's my own nieces, I try to encourage the parents not to feel embarrassed or try to pressure them if they say no. I don't want those little kids thinking that they can't turn away physical affection from an adult. We need to draw big, safe boundaries around kids. And we can either knowingly or unknowingly harm or help those boundaries, okay? <clears throat> this also goes for adults, by the way. This, I don't know, this might offend some people, but we gotta, we gotta say it because we're here. If you're a hugger, that's great, all right? But you can't assume everyone else is. And you have no right to make people feel bad if that's uncomfortable for them, okay? A good rule of thumb it's worked for me, is, is to offer people a handshake. And if, if the other person goes for a hug and you're cool with it, then great, man, hug it out. Amen. If it's someone you already know and that's been established and, and you know that that's okay, then that's also fine. But if, if it's someone that you, you just met or you're just getting to know, then I think it's wise to, to ask them. You know, you can say, hey, hey, I'm a hugger, are you? And they need to know it's okay if that, the answer is no. Don't make them feel bad about it. It's a big part of this discussion around boundaries is not just us understanding when it is biblical or not to set them, but also us learning how to respect the boundaries of others, not make them feel bad for having them. Amen? <clears throat> now, on the other side of this coin is the potential to stand up for others and try to make boundaries for them when what they are experiencing are God-ordained consequences for sinful or foolish behavior. This can also be a problem. So let's use the work example again. Uh, an employee being disciplined for poor performance or behavior is not the same as someone being bullied. All right? And some of you, I love you, but you've got such a strong empathy gift all you see is someone in pain and you instantly assume there's an injustice. Okay, that's not always true. Some pain is God-ordained to move us from the self-destructive behavior that is causing it. All right? 
You can see that physically, God's wisdom in creation. He gave you a nervous system so that if you touch something hot, your body says, ouchie, that hurts. And you stop touching it, okay? The same goes for spiritual things, behavior things, consequences in the world, okay? And sometimes some of you end up jumping to the defense trying to put boundaries around someone that um, needs to walk that out. You might say, well, I don't know if I believe that. Okay, well, try this on for a size. Second, or Second Thessalonians 3.10. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. If he's not willing to work, he shouldn't eat either. That's a boundary God built, okay? Actions, consequences. Choices, consequences. Not that hard to understand. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me also say, this, this, has, this has potential to happen in the context of the church. The first thing I want to say is there are many cases of legitimate spiritual abuse by so-called leaders who have forgotten that our model for leadership is a self-sacrificing servant savior. Absolutely, that's true. And as I've told you recently, I have firsthand experience. I understand about that. But, and, and, and because of that reality, we should have boundaries in place to keep that from happening and to serve and protect people who may come here seeking refuge after that's happened. We need to be sensitive about that. Um, and what would that include? Well, that would include, <clears throat> not that we have influence elsewhere, but what should happen, it could be correcting, removing, or in certain cases, reporting wolves like that to the proper authorities, depending on what the infraction is, okay? So that's true. I know that's real, and, and sadly more prevalent than probably we want to know. But there are also times where faithful pastors and leaders are simply doing what the Lord has asked them to do by holding people accountable and calling out sin. Sometimes that's what's going on. But can you understand that sometimes that offends folks? Sometimes that hurts people's feelings? But the worst thing you can do in that situation is try to make a boundary around them that insulates them from the very correction that could lead them to repentance simply because they appear to be or they see themselves as an underdog or a victim, okay? As some of you, as soon as you smell the possibility that someone's an underdog in a situation, you don't need any more details. You're, you're going you're gonna to don your red cape and, you know, jump into action. And I love you. Don't ever lose that empathy. Always, always take up for the oppressed. And, and yes, absolutely, but but understand that um, not everything is exactly as it seems on the surface, okay? There's got to be wisdom applied, and, and you know, the Bible says in different places that, you know, whoever gets to tell their side of the story first seems right, but a wise person is going to hear the other side, okay? So, amen. All of that leads us to this, this next point. Jesus set boundaries around sin, and he knew that it was good for the sinner, Jesus set boundaries around sin, and he knew it was good for the sinner. Uh, lots of ways we could illustrate this, but call your attention to John chapter 8. You've got the woman caught in adultery. Religious leaders drag her out. Hey, Jesus, we caught her. Law says she should be, you know, she should be stoned. What do you think? And uh, Jesus' answer is, you know, he who is without sin cast the first stone. 
Everybody likes the story so far, right? It's like, yeah, I like that. Yes. All right. That's good. And then he says to her, uh, Jesus said, woman, where are, so Jesus said, whoever has no sin, cast the first stone and everyone drops their rock and walks away. And Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, no one, Lord. And every, you know, everybody, including just about everybody in our culture, whether they've ever actually opened the Bible or not, they, most of them know this story and they quote it up to there. But forget this part. Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go and sin no more. NASB says, go from now on, do not sin any longer. But for some reason, I've memorized that as go and sin no more. Is that the KJV? I don't know. Who's got one with them? Probably none of you. All right. Go and sin no more. That's the part that gets left out of the discussion sometimes, right? Um, Jesus drew a boundary there. And why? Because he wanted to control her or God likes to rob people's lives of joy and fun? No. (laughs) Because he already knew how much sin had ravaged and destroyed her life. And he loves her and wants her to avoid further decimation as a result of disobedience to God. So he says, go and sin no more. He draws a boundary for the good of the sinner. Okay? And, and this type of boundary drawing, <clears throat> it should be most frequently practiced within the household of faith. Okay? We should be a people who are not afraid to speak the truth in love to one another, and we should be a people who welcome that input from other believers. Do you start from a default position of saying, I have blind spots and there's probably ways I'm not doing perfect at something? Like, is that really where you live? Or if somebody comes and brings something to you, a concern, or maybe, maybe they think something you said or did was, was perhaps not right, are, are, you, are you aghast that someone would possibly suggest you were less than perfect? It shouldn't be that surprising. Like, do you know you? You got any mirrors in your house? You know what I mean? Like, what, what are we doing, right? Amen. Goodness. <laughs> now, I'm saying this should be most frequently practiced within the household of faith, but there's there rare cases where someone who does not yet follow Jesus, with whom you also have enough relational collateral, and they've opened a door, it may also be appropriate to draw these kind of boundaries. But I'm saying those factors need to be in place. What am I saying? I'm saying this kind of boundary drawing around sin for the good of the sinner, this is not a call for us to to go out into the streets and, you know, scream at people that they're going to hell. Okay, That's, that's not helpful. But there may be people in your life who do not yet follow Jesus but have learned to trust you and believe that you love them. They may open the door for you to speak to what choices they're making, things they're doing in their life. And if that opportunity comes, you could draw some boundaries for them that could be helpful in pointing them towards the the blessing that comes in obedience to God. Okay? That's what I mean. So again, though, this thing's always going to churn all the way down to motive, okay? If our motive in doing this kind of boundary drawing is self-righteousness or it's vengeance because of offense, right? Kind of a you hurt me, now I'm going to say something to you type thing. If that's the motive, any of that, it's, if, if you're on your high horse looking down on people and, and that's, you know, 
that's the motive you're coming from or it's vengeance or anything like that, if you're thinking now, now's the time to, to build a boundary of sin, if those are your motives, man, just keep your yapper shut. Take it to the Lord, okay? Because you're not in the right place to, to do this kind of boundary drawing. If the purpose is not love for the other person sinning and a genuine desire to help them seek repentance and restoration, then we are not in the right place to draw these kind of boundaries. Okay? All right. I'm assuming you're not, does your silence mean you agree? Because you're not booing, so you guys, you guys with me on that? All right, great. That's pretty important. <clears throat> At least let me know you're awake, all right? That would be helpful. Uh, so in the same reminder that, that, so I reminded you earlier that Jesus has perfect discernment and we don't, that applies here as well. And I would just, I would caution you to be especially careful, Okay. When you find yourself thinking you have perfect insight into someone else's motives, be especially careful because people are complex and they are almost never as one-dimensional in their motivations as we tend to reduce them to as we make assessments from our limited human vantage point. Okay? That's real important. Check yourself. That's, <clears throat> I think that's in the Old Testament. All right. <laughs> All right, next point. We're, we're, on, we're on the home stretch. Jesus set boundaries around people's expectations of him. Jesus set boundaries around people's expectations of him. Where do I see that? Okay, John chapter 6, verse 15. So uh, it says, Jesus was aware that they intended to come and take him by force to make him king. So he withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Man, Jesus is like a ninja, isn't he? Have you ever noticed this in the Bible? I mean, all these times, there's all these people around. It's like, skirt, skirt, Jesus is gone. You know what I mean? Like, what? Did he have, did he have like, you remember the Foot Clan from Ninja Turtles? They had the, the smoke. I guess he didn't need that. I don't know. He was slick, though. I mean, there's one time, a couple of times, actually, I think, there's a big crowd they're pressing in on him, and it literally says he slipped through the crowd. How do you do that? Everyone's there to see him, all eyes on Jesus, and all of a sudden, he's like, you know what I mean? And he's gone. They're all like, you know, anyways, I think it's awesome. I think Jesus knew some ninja stuff, and the Bible just doesn't say it that way. He had to of. How, how, do you, how else do you explain that? Gone. <laughs> I'm here for it. I don't care if you are or not. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so here, John 6, we, we see G, here again, we read this earlier in Luke, Jesus is pulling the old dippity-doo again, all right? Uh, but for a different reason, for a different reason. So both his friends and those who had made themselves his enemies, they thought he was there to try to establish an earthly kingdom for Israel and to overthrow the Roman occupiers. That's what's the context here in John 6 and other places where it talks about this. Is they, they see Jesus doing all these miracles. There's, there's enough people becoming convinced this might be the Messiah. Their understanding of Messiah was that he was going to pop up and help reestablish the geopolitical dominance of Israel, kick out the Roman occupiers, and we're going to have God's kingdom as a place here on earth. Okay, uh, But Jesus didn't let other people's expectations dictate his mission and purpose. He didn't do it. 
He knew who he was and why he was here, and that was a strong boundary that kept him out of the trap of people-pleasing. Friends, I want you to know, it is okay for us to know who we are in Christ and the strengths and weaknesses that make us each a unique part of the body. We talked about some of that principle last week. We're talking about varying gifts. Here's what we need to know, though. Sometimes what we do is we project onto other people our own strengths and weaknesses. And we assume that they should have the exact same passion and zeal for all the exact same things we do. And if they don't, well, there's something wrong with them. It's the only explanation. If if you were really as godly as you say you are, well, you'd care about this as much as I do. Well, maybe they care about something else that much. And God needs somebody to care about all of it. And then he brings us all together so that the totality of what we have is everything being cared for. Wild idea, right? A big part of having biblical boundaries is knowing who you are, but also leaving room for other people to be who they are. And this is the brilliant design of God because it means that we need each other to accomplish the mission he's given us of being salt and light in the world. We need each other. If you don't believe that, you're not thinking right about it. People are different and that's on purpose. And we sin against each other when we try to mold everyone into our image Instead of rejoicing in the fact that it takes diversity and variety for Christ's body to reflect his image accurately in the world. We're here to help one another be molded into Christ's image, not be out here trying to mold one another into our own image. Ooh, I didn't know I was making idols to myself. You're welcome. Peace be with you. Sermon's over. No, I'm just kidding. Close though in case you're hungry or worried about it. All right, um, let me, I'm just gonna quickly illustrate. So it's, <clears throat> I'm talking very particularly of the context within the body of Christ, but you see this happen humanity-wide, right? Like w- when you're on the interwebs, right, and someone brings up an issue, somebody, somebody on what, whatever your social deal is or newsfeed or whatever, someone says, man, I mean, I'm, I'm really concerned about, like, I'm concerned about the rate of deforestation in the Amazon. I'm, I'm, that's worrying me because here's some stats and stuff and it's trees are important, you know, because of oxygen and whatnot. Uh, and, and so somebody's expressing that they're concerned about that. And then someone is going to jump on there and say, well, well what, a, what about the habitat loss for Pacific spotted sea urchins? Why don't you care about that? You demon? It's like, well... <laughs> Now I'll look into it. Maybe I do, but man, I just, I'm just trying to talk about the trees in the Amazon, dude. Like, chill out. You can't, everybody can't be equally passionate about everything. And you can look at that as, well, other people that aren't passionate about the exact same things I am to the exact same degree I am, well, they're just not as smart as me. And if they got as smart as me, then they'd have the same passion profile. Or God's really brilliant and builds us different so that we interlock into, inter, into pieces that come together and make us stronger and allowed to, as a body and as a people, address more things and play off each other's strengths and make up for each other's weaknesses. Okay? 
I mean, praise God for the Pacific spotted sea urchin. May God help their habitat. But look, man, I can't. And, and this part of the deal with boundaries and stuff in our, in our current modern age, man, just, just be careful about how much of the devastation in the world you take in and internalize. I'm not saying don't be aware of what's going on in the world, but man, there's only so much you can do, and most of what you can do is going to be about stuff that's right in front of you, that you can reach out and touch. Don't feel condemned or convicted about having proper proportion in how you focus on that, Okay? Amen. Hopefully that's freeing for you. <clears throat> now, this, this idea that we're talking about, okay, you know what I'm going to do. Now we're going to flip the coin, catch, catch the ones that so far they're like, yes, I like what he's saying. Now it's your turn. Because this idea, of course, what we're talking about, knowing who you are in Christ and being comfortable in that, being, being willing to let other people know that, not be a people pleaser, that idea, of course, it can be used as, as an excuse to avoid growing or serving in ways that make us uncomfortable. So I'm not advocating for that, that you just, well, Pastor, said, Pastor Vince said boundaries are good, so I'm just not going to do anything I don't want to do. Ever, right? No, that's not, that's not it. Because <clears throat> sometimes there is a need for us to serve God and each other in ways we don't feel particularly gifted in. Sometimes just the fact that there's an opportunity to serve in front of you means it's your turn. Okay? But it is okay to know who you are and what season of life you're in and to set boundaries that don't allow people to try to force you into situations that are harmful or going to pull away from your growth in God. And this truth, I've been using the church body as a primary kind of contextual illustration, but this, also, this goes for family, it goes for friends, it goes for all of our relationships. Knowing who you are in Christ is okay and setting boundaries accordingly is okay but also make sure you remember to leave room for other people to do the same and not be quick to be offended about it. All right? Amen. <clears throat> we must all seek to grow in maturity to the point that the healthy boundaries of people in our lives are something we respect and we should purpose to not be offended by that. That's, it's a point of immaturity. If somebody's trying to have healthy boundaries in their life, and you, you intersect with their life in such a way that that needs to be talked about, okay? And you make them feel bad about that, or you, you get offended, maybe, or maybe you stonewall them or, or give them the silent treatment. However, however you tend to lash back, uh, that's immature. It's unloving. We, get, we all got to grow in that, okay? Because it can, it can feel personal. It can feel like a personal attack if we don't keep this idea that Especially, I'm thinking especially of those of you that when I ask the first question, when, when is it biblical to have boundaries with people? Some of you are like, never, right? <laughs> We're supposed to love everyone. That means, that means full open all the time, never any boundaries because that's unloving, right? I know none of you would probably say that, but if you practically kind of look at how you operate, that, that functionally that belief comes through, okay? Jesus loved everybody more than you could ever possibly love them. And sometimes... He ninja vanished and went to the woods to pray and left people disappointed. Okay? Because he knew and accepted the reality of human limitation. There was more people that were going to need his help. He wasn't going to be good to anybody if he ran himself down into the ground. Or, I mean, you get the idea with Jesus. There was, 
There got to a point where his notoriety reached a place where there were always crowds that wanted to hear from him, be touched by him, healed by him. I mean, it could have just gone on in perpetuity forever. They would have just kept coming. Okay? I know that's not the situation most of you are dealing with, but the principle translates. Right? Amen. So, um, two words that many of you have been waiting for. In summary, uh, <laughs> Jesus showed us through his life and ministry that it is not unloving to have healthy boundaries, but he also never set boundaries with people out of selfishness. Okay? This doesn't mean folks won't accuse you of being selfish for setting a boundary, but we must be aware of our motives and never abandon caring about the good of others, even the ones who annoy, frustrate, or hurt us. We've got to remember that sometimes speaking the truth in love and setting healthy boundaries can be a blessing to someone who's humble. They may not know that they are sinning. They may not understand that they're projecting unfair expectations onto you and letting them know that can help them grow. A humble person can be on the receiving end of a boundary set, a healthy one, a love-motivated one, and it can actually help them to grow and be a blessing to them if they'll see it correctly. Amen. The gospel itself sets an eternal boundary, but it is a boundary meant to lead us to the ultimate and greatest good. What is that? Humble acknowledgement of our need for God and embracing the grace, hope, joy, and peace that is found in Christ alone. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for the truth of your word. God, thank you that we have a place to go, a place to find a compass and a a needle pointing true north. Because, Lord, There are so many sources of information and influence coming at us every day. Lord, please help us by the power of your spirit to be good discerners, to be wise and not just take in everything that hits us. Even things that are formed and framed as good argumentation, Lord, help us to, to just be so careful about always running back to your word to build our worldview and our understanding of everything. Thank you that your word, it addresses these things. Even if someone may not have thought that a question around relationship boundaries, that the Bible had much to say about it. Thank you for opening our eyes and helping us by the power of your spirit to see um, that all that we need as it pertains to life and godliness, we can find in your word. Thank you for the life of Jesus. Thank you that he is absolutely without a doubt, the most loving, uh, but also had these healthy boundaries. Lord, I pray for those who are among us today, those that are within the sound of my voice, either here physically or, or joining through the live stream, those who struggle with ever believing that a boundary could be loving, those who allow themselves to be run ragged by the expectations of others and end up in unhealthy places as a result. Lord, I pray for them right now. And I ask you to let this, this truth this, this healing balm of your word, come in and, and help their hearts and, and give them strength to be able 
to walk this out in a more circumspect way for your glory. And Lord, I pray for all of those within the sound of my voice that are far too fast at throwing up boundaries. They're, they're, they're expert wall builders and they don't ever feel bad about it. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that you would soften their hearts and show them that there may be more humility and tenderness, patience and kindness that has to be considered if our example for boundary building is a suffering servant savior. I ask you to help all of us, everybody in between. Lord, none of us hits this perfectly. None of us are perfect like you. So I ask you to continue to grow us that we may in this way reflect your image for your glory, O oh God, and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.com dot org